Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, but what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and in these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, all of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, but we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. Um, the videos do stay up after the live recording, so you can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, tons of different things happening. It's never There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast. We have so much content happening right now. Um, but you're here for Corona Cold Reads for Shakespeare. Um, so these are cold reads for the most part. Uh, our actors did not have more than a day, maybe two if they're lucky, um, to look over the text if they wanted to. Most of them didn't have the chance to, so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold. Um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. So next up is our reading of Pericles, which is my pick for Shakespeare's weirdest play. Um, I also think it's kind of one of his worst, but you know, I, there, there's some, there's certainly merit in reading the ones that you didn't even know he wrote, uh, because you never know what you're going to find. Some of those are really definitely hidden gems and maybe Pericles is for you. It's very different from the rest of the canon. It's sort of, um, like an adventure on the high seas kind of thing. It has, um, it plays out sort of in vignettes. Um, you'll meet these supporting characters for a couple of scenes and then they'll disappear and then a new story will take over and there's a little bit of through line but not a ton. Um, its full title is Pericles Prince of Tyre and I'm not even going to try to tell you the plot because it is bonkers bananas. All I can tell you about this reading is that in one of the early scenes there is a let's call him a man of serious moral questionable morals um, who is involved in some really truly icky things. Um, 
both of just like the general corrupt nature, but also just in the like, ooh, ooh, ooh nature. Um, and so I cast Tori Urquhart in this role and she took it, took it upon herself to learn an impression and do perform this icky character with what I think is a very good impression of um, a uh, former American president who was not yet former at the time of this recording. Um, so that's deeply disturbing. Um, I highly recommend the YouTube video just for that scene. Um, you will want, not want to miss it. And um, I will leave you to it if you would like to enjoy our reading of all of, of Pericles, even after um, that uh, scene finishes. <laughs> I hope you enjoy. This is a really weird one, guys. To sing a song that old was sung from, from ashes ancient, Gower is come, assuming man's infirmities to glad your ear and please your eyes. It hath been sung at festivals on ember eves and holy ales, and lords and ladies in their lives have read it for restoratives. The purchase is to make men glorious, et bonum quo antiquius eo melius. If you, born in these latter times, when wits more ripe, accept my rhymes, and that to hear an old man sing may to your wishes pleasure bring, I life would wish and that I might waste it for you like taper light. This Antioch then, Antiochus the Great, built up this city for his chiefest seat, the fairest in all Syria, I tell you what mine authors say. This king unto him took a fair, who died and left a female heir, so buxom, blithe, and full of face, as heaven had lent her all his grace, with whom the father liking took, and her to incest did provoke. Bad child, worse father, to entice his own, to evil should be done by none. But custom what they did begin was with long use account no sin. The beauty of this sinful dame made many princes thither frame to seek her as a bedfellow in marriage pleasures, playfellow, which to prevent he made a law to keep her still and men in awe that whoso asked her for his wife, his riddle told not, lost his life. So for her many a white did die, as yon grim looks do testify. What now ensues, to the judgment of your eye, I give my cause who best can justify. Exit. Scene one, Antioch, a room in the palace, enter Atticus, Prince Pericles, and followers. Young Prince of Tyre, you have at large received the danger of the task you undertake. I have, Antiochus, and with a soul emboldened with the glory of her praise, think death no hazard in the enterprise. Bring in our daughter, clothe it like a bride for the embracements, even of Jove himself, at whose conception till Lucina reigned. Nature this dowry gave to glad her presence. The Senate House of Planets all did sit to knit in her their best perfections. Music and to the daughter of Atticus. See where she comes, apparelled like the spring, 
graces her subjects, and her thoughts the king of every virtue gives renown to men. Her face, the book of praises, where is read nothing but curious pleasures, as from thence sorrow were ever raised, and testy wrath could never be her mild companion. Oh, you gods that made me man, and sway in love, that have inflamed desire in my breast to taste the fruit of yon celestial tree, or die in the adventure, be my helps, as I am son and servant to your will to compass such a boundless happiness. Prince Pericles. That would be son to great Antiochus. Before thee stands this fair Hesperides with golden fruit, but dangerous to the touch. For death-like dragons here affright thee hard. Her face, like heaven, enticeth thee to view her countless glory, which desert must gain, and which without desert, because thine eye presumes to reach, all thy whole heap must die. Yon sometimes famous princes, like thyself, drawn by report, adventurous, by desire, tell thee with speechless tongues and semblance pale that without covering save yon field of stars. Here they stand martyrs, slain in Cupid's wars, and with dead cheeks advise thee to desist for going on death's net whom none resist. Ahem. Antiochus, I thank thee, who hath taught my frail mortality to know itself, and by those fearful objects to prepare this body like to them, to what I must, for death remembered, should be like a mirror, who tells us life's but breath, to trust it, error. I'll make my will then, and as sick men do, who know the world, see heaven, but feeling woe, grape not at earthly joys as erst they did. So I bequeath a happy peace to you and all good men, as every prince should do. My riches to the earth from whence they came, but my unspotted fire to love to you. Thus, ready for the way of life or death, I wait the sharpest blow, Antiochus. Scorning advice. Read the conclusion then, which read and not expounded, tis decreed, as these before thee, thou thyself shall bleed. Of all said yet, mayst thou prove prosperous. Of all said yet, I wish thee happiness. Like a bold champion, I assume the lists, nor ask advice of any other thoughts but faithfulness and courage. <clears throat> I am no viper, yet I feed on mother's flesh, which did me breed. Hmm. I sought a husband in which labor I found that kindness in a father. He's father, son, and husband mild. 
I mother, wife, and yet his child. How they may be, and yet in two, as you will live, resolve it you. Huh. Sharp physic in this last, but... Oh. Oh. Oh, you powers that give heaven countless eyes to be the men's acts. Why cloud they not their sights perpetually? Oh. If this be true, which makes me pale to read it. Fair glass of light, I loved you and could still. <clears throat> Were not this glorious casket stored with ill? But I must tell you, now my thoughts revolt, for he's no man on whom perfections wait, that knowing sin within will touch the gate. You are a fair viol, and your sense the strings, who fingered to make man his lawful music, would draw heaven down and all the gods to, to hearken. But being played upon before your time, hell only danceth at so harsh a chime. Good sooth, I care not for you. <clears throat> Prince Pericles, touch not upon thy life, for that's an article within our law as dangerous as, rest, as the rest. Your time's expired. Either expound now or receive your sentence. Great king. Few love to hear the sins they love to act. T'would braid yourself too near for me to tell it. Who has a book of all that monarchs do? He's more secure to keep it shut than shown. For vice repeated is like the wandering wind blows dust in others' eyes to spread itself. And yet the end of all is bought thus dear. The breath is gone and the sore eyes clear. To stop the air would hurt them. The blind mole casts copped hills towards the heavens to tell the earth is thronged by man's oppression. And the poor worm doth die for it. Kings are earth's gods in vice that laws their will. And if Jove stray, who dares say Jove doth ill? Eh? It is enough to know, and it is fit. What being more known grows worse to smother it. I'll love the womb that there first being bred, then give my tongue like leave to love my head. Heaven, that I had thy head, he has found the meaning. <laughs> but I will close with him. Young Prince of Tyre, though by the tenor of our strict edict, your exposition misinterpreting, we might proceed to cancel of your days, yet hope succeeding from so fair a tree as your fair self doth tune us otherwise. Forty days longer we do respect you, 
If by such time our secret be undone, this mercy shows will joy in such a son. And until then, your entertainment shall be as doth befit our honor and your worth. Except all but Pericles. Oh, how courtesy would seem to cover sin when what is done is like an hypocrite, the which is good in nothing but in sight. If it be true that I interpret false, then were it certain you were not so bad as with foul incest to abuse your soul. Where now you're both a father and a son. By your untimely claspings with your child. Oh, God. Which pleasure fits an husband, not a father, and she an eater of her mother's flesh by the defiling of her parents' bed. And both, like serpents are, who thought they feed on sweetest flowers, yet they poison breed. Antioch, farewell. For wisdom sees those men blush not in actions blacker than the night, will shun no course to keep them from the light. One sin I know, another doth provoke. Murders as near to lust as flame to smoke. Poison and treason are the hands of sin. Aye, and the targets to put off the shame. Then lest my lie be cropped to keep you clear. By flight, I'll shun the danger which I fear. Exit, re-enter Antiochus. He has found the meaning for which we mean to have his head. He must not live to trumpet forth my infamy, nor tell the world Antiochus doth sin in such a loathed manner. And therefore, instantly this prince must die. For by his family, by his fall, my honor must keep high. Who attends us here? Doth your highness call? Talliard, you are of our chamber, and our mind partakes her private actions to your secrecy. And for your faithfulness, we will advance you. Talliard, behold. Here's poison. And here's gold. Oh, nice. We hate the Prince of, Ty uh, the Prince of Tyre, and thou must kill him. It fits thee not to ask the reason why, because we did it. Say, it's done. My lord, it's done. Enough. Enter a messenger. Enter a messenger. Breath cool yourself, telling your haste. Uh, my lord, Prince Pericles is fled. Exit. As thou wilt live, fly after. And like an arrow shot from a well-experienced archer hits the mark his eye doth level at, so thou ne'er return until thou say, 
Prince Pericles is dead. My lord, if I can get him within my pistol's length, I'll make him sure enough. So farewell to your highness. Talliard. Adieu. Exit Talliard. Till Pericles be dead, my heart can lend no sucker to my head. Exit. In two, Tyra, room in the palace, enter Pericles. Let none disturb us. Oh. Why should this change of thoughts, the sad companion, dull-eyed melancholy, be my so used a guest as not an hour in the day's glorious walk or peaceful night? The tomb where grief should sleep can breed me quiet? Here pleasures court mine eyes, and mine eyes shun them. And danger, which I feared, is at Antioch, whose aim seems far too short to hit me here. Yet neither pleasures, art, nor joy, my spirits, nor yet the other's distance comfort me. And it is thus. The passions of the mind that have their first conception by misdread have after nourishment and life by care. And what was first but fear, what might be done, grows elder now and cares it be not done. And so with me, the great Antiochus, against whom I am too little to contend, since he so great can make his will his act, will think me speaking, though I swear to silence, nor boots at me to say, I honor him. If he suspect I may dishonor him, and what may make him blush is being known, he'll stop the course by which it might be known. Mm. With... Hostile forces he'll o'erspread the land, and with the ostent of war will look so huge, amazement shall drive courage from the state. A men be vanquished ere they do resist, and subjects punish that ne'er thought offense, which care of them, not pity of myself, who am no more, but as the tops of trees, which fence the roots they grow by and defend them, make both my body pine and my soul to languish and punish that before that he would punish. Enter Helicanus and other lords. <clears throat> Joy and all comfort in your sacred rest. <laughs> I keep your mind till you return to us peaceful and comfortable. Peace, peace, and give experience tongue. They do abuse the king that flattered him. For flattery is the bellows blows up sin. The thing which is flattered, but a spark to which that blast gives heat and stronger glow. Whereas reproof, obedient and in order, fits kings, as they are men, for they may err. When senior sooth here does proclaim a peace, he flatters you, makes war upon your life. <clears throat> Prince, pardon me, or strike me if you please. I cannot be much lower than my knees. All leave us else, but let your cares o'erlook what shipping and what landings in our haven, and then return to us. Helicanus, thou hast moved us. What seest thou in our looks? <sighs> An angry brow. Dread. Yeah. If there be such a dart in princes' frowns, 
How dares thy tongue move anger to our face? <laughs> How dare the plants look up to heaven from whence they have their nourishment? Thou knowest I have power to take thy life from thee. I have ground the axe myself, but you do strike the blow. Ah, rise, prithee rise, sit down. Thou art no flatterer. I thank thee for it, and heaven forbid that kings should let their ears hear their faults hid. Fit counselor and servant for a prince, who by thy wisdom makest a prince thy servant. What wouldst thou have me do? To bear with patience such griefs as you yourself do lay upon yourself. Thou <laughs> speakest like a physician, Helicanus. Administerest a potion unto me that thou wouldst tremble to receive thyself. Attend me then. I went to Antioch, where, as thou knowest, against the face of death, I sought the purchase of a glorious beauty. From whence an issue I might propagate our arms to princes and bring joys to subjects. Her face was to mine eye beyond all wonder. The rest hark in thine ear as black as incest, which by my knowledge found the sinful father seemed not to strike, but smooth. But thou knowest this, this time to fear when tyrants seemed to kiss, such fear so grew in me. I hither fled under the covering of a careful knight who seemed my good protector. And being here, bethought me what was past, what might succeed. I knew him tyrannous, and tyrants fear, decrease not, but grow faster than the years. And should he doubt it, as no doubt he doth, that I should open to the listening air how many worthy princes' bloods were shed to keep his bed of blackness unlaid ope, to lop that doubt, he'll fill this land with arms and make prentice of wrong that I have done him, when all for mine, if I may call offense, must feel war's blow? Who spares not innocence, which love to all, of which thyself art one, who now reprovest me for it. Alas, sir. Drew sleep out of mine eyes, blood from my cheeks, musings into my mind, with thousand doubts how I might stop this tempest ere it came, and finding little comfort to relieve them. I thought it princely charity to grieve them. Well, well, my lord, since you have given me leave to speak. Yeah, you can speak. Freely will <laughs> I speak. Antiochus, you fear, and justly too, I think. You fear the tyrant who either by public war or private treason will take away your life. Therefore, my lord, go travel for a while till that his rage and anger be forgot, or till the destinies do cut his thread of life. Your rule direct to any, if to me. Day serves not light more faithful than I'll be. I do not doubt thy faith, but should he wrong my liberties in my absence? We'll mingle our bloods together in the earth from whence we had our being and our birth. Tire. I look now 
from thee to then and to Tarsus intend my travel, where I'll hear from thee, and by whose letters I'll dispose myself, the care I had and have of subjects good, on thee I lay, whose wisdom strength can bear it. I'll take thy word for faith, not ask thine oath, who shuns not to break one will sure crack both, but in our orbs will live so round and safe, at time of both, this truth shall ne'er convince. Thou <laughs> showest to subjects shine, a true prince. Exempt. Scene three, Tyre, an antechamber in the palace, enter Tellyard. So this is Tyre, and this is the court. Here must I kill King Pericles, and if I do it not, I am sure to be hanged at home. It is dangerous. Well, I perceive he's a wise fellow. It has good discretion that being bid to ask what he would if the king desired he might know none of his secrets. Now do I see he have some reason for it. If a king bid a man be a villain, he's bound by the indenture of his oath to be one. Hush, here comes the Lord's attire. Enter Helicanus and Essenes with the Lords of Tyre. <laughs> You shall not need, my fellow peers of Tyre, further to question me of your king's departure. His sealed commission, left in trust with me, doth speak sufficiently. He's gone to travel. How? The king's gone? If further yet, you will be satisfied. Why, as it were unlicensed of your loves, he would depart. I'll give some light unto you. Being at Antioch. What? From Antioch? <laughs> Royal, Anti Royal Antiochus, on what cause I know not, took some displeasure at him. At least he judged so. And doubting less that he had erred or sinned to show his sorrow, he'll held correct himself. So puts himself onto the shipman's toil with whom each minute threatens life or death. Well, I perceive I shall not be hanged now, although I would, but since he's gone, the king's seas must please. He escaped the land to perish at the sea. I'll present myself. Peace to the Lord's attire. <laughs> Lady Thaliard from Antioch, Antiochus is welcome. From him I come with message unto princely Pericles. But since my landing I have understood, your Lord has betook himself to unknown travels. My message must return from whence it came. Bye. We have no reason to desire it. Commended to your master, not to us. To our master, not to us. Yet, ere you shall depart, this we desire. As friends to Antioch, we may feast entire. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> Exit. Scene four. Tarsus, the room in the governor's house. Enter Cleon, the governor of Tarsus, with Dionysa and others. By Dionysa, shall we rest us here? And by relating tales of others' griefs, see if twill teach us to forget our own? That were to blow at fire and hope to quench it, for who digs hills because they do aspire throws down one mountain to cast up a higher. Is but love. Hmm, oh, Dionysa, who wanteth food and will not say he wants it. 
or can conceal his hunger till he famish. Our tongues and sorrows do sound deep our woes into the air. Our eyes do weep till tongues fetch breath that may proclaim them louder, that if heaven slumber while their creatures want, they may awake their helps to comfort them. How then discourse our woes felt several years and wanting breath to speak, help me with tears. I'll do my best, sir. This Tarsus, for which I have the government, a city on whom plenty held full hand, for riches strewed herself even in the streets, whose towers bore heads so high they kissed the clouds, and strangers ne'er beheld but wondered at, whose men and dames so jetted and adorned like one another's glass to trim them by, their tables were stored full to glad the sight, and not so much to feed on as delight. All poverty was scorned and pride so great, the name of help grew odious to repeat. Oh, tis too true. But see what heaven can do. By this our change, these mouths, who but of late earth, sea, and air were all too little to content and please, although they gave their creatures in abundance, as houses are defiled for want of use, they are now starved for want of exercise. Those pallets, who not yet two summers younger must have inventions to delight the taste, would now be glad of bread and beg for it. Those mothers who to nozzle up their babes thought, thought not too curious are ready now to eat those little darlings whom they loved. So sharp are hunger's teeth that man and wife draws lots who first shall die to lengthen life. Here stands a lord, and there a lady weeping. Here many sink, yet those which see them fall have scarce strength to give them burial. Is not this true? Our cheeks and hollow eyes do witness it. Oh, let those cities that have plenty's cup and her prosperity so largely taste with their superfluous riots hear these tears. The misery of Tarsus may be theirs. Enter a lord. Where's the lord governor? Here. Speak out thy sorrows, which thou bringest in haste, for comfort is too far for us to expect. We have descried upon our neighboring shore a portly sail of ships make hitherward. I thought as much. One sorrow never comes but brings an heir that may succeed as his inheritor, and so in ours. Some neighboring nation, taking advantage of our misery, hath stuffed those hollow vessels with their power to beat us down, the which are down already, and make a conquest of unhappy me, whereas no glories got to overcome. That's the least fear, for by the semblance of their white flags displayed, they bring us peace and come to us as favorers, not as foes. Thou speakst like him, untutored to repeat. Who makes the fairest show means most deceit. But bring they what they will and what they can. What need we fear? The ground's the lowest. We are halfway there. Go, tell their general, we attend him here, to know for what he comes, and whence he comes, and what he craves. I go, my lord. Exit. Welcome is peace, if he on peace consist. If wars, we are unable to resist. Enter Pericles with attendants. Lord Governor, so, for so we hear you are. Let not our ships and number of our men be like a beacon fired to amaze your eyes. 
We've heard your miseries as far as Tyre, and seen the desolation of your streets. Nor well come we to add sorrow to your tears, but to relieve them of their heavy load. And these are ships you happily may think are like the Trojan horse was stuffed within, with bloody veins, expecting overthrow, are stored with corn to make your needy bread, and give them life whom hunger starved, half dead. The gods of Greece protect you and will pray for you. Arise, I pray you rise. We do not look for reverence, but to love and harborage for ourselves, our ships and men. The which, when any shall not gratify or pay you with unthankfulness in thought, be it our wives, our children, and ourselves, the curse of heaven and men succeed their evils. Till when, the which I hope shall ne'er be seen, your grace is welcome to our town and us. Which welcome we'll accept. Feast here a while until our stars that frown lend us a smile. Exit. Act two, enter Gower. Here have you seen a mighty king, his child, I wise, to incest bring. A better prince and benign lord that will prove awful both in deed and word. Be quiet then, as men should be, till he hath passed necessity. I'll show you those in trouble's reign, losing a might, a mountain gain. The good in conversation, to whom I give my venison, is still at Tarsus where each man thinks all is writ he staking can. And to remember what he does, build his statue to make him glorious. But tidings to the contrary are brought your eyes. What need speak I? Enter at one door Pericles talking with Cleon, all the train with them. Enter at another door a gentleman with a letter to Pericles. Pericles shows the letter to Cleon, gives the messenger a reward, and knights him. Exit Pericles at one door and Cleon at another. Good Helicane that stayed at home, not to eat honey like a drone from others' labors, for though he strive to kill in bad, keep good alive, and to fulfill his prince's desire, sends word of all that haps entire. How Thaliard came full bent with sin and had intent to murder him and that in Tarsus was not best longer for him to make his rest. He, doing so, put forth to seas, where when men beam, there's seldom ease. For now, the wind begins to blow. Thunder above and deeps below makes such unquiet that the ship should house him safe is wrecked and split. And he, good prince, having all lost, by waves from coast to coast is tossed, all perishing of man, of pelf, nay aught escaping but himself, till fortune, tired with doing bad, threw him ashore to give him glad. And here he comes. What shall be next? Uh, pardon, old Gower, this longs the text. Exit. Scene one, Pentapolis, an open place by the seaside, under Pericles, wet. Yet cease. Your ire, you angry stars of heaven. <clears throat> Wind, rain, and thunder, remember, earthly man is but a substance that must yield to you, and I as fits my nature to obey you. Alas, sea hath cast me on the rocks, wash me from shore to shore, and let me breathe nothing to think on but ensuing death. 
Let it suffice the greatness of your powers to have bereft a prince of all his fortunes and having thrown him from your watery grave here to have death in peace is all he'll crave. Enter three fishermen. What whore? Pelch! Um, ha, come and bring away the nets. What? Patchbreach, I say! What say you, master? Oh, look how you stir us now. Come away, or I'll fetch thee with a onion. Faith, master, I am thinking of the poor men that were cast away before us even now. Alas, poor souls. It grieved my heart to hear what pitiful cries they made to us to help them when, well, a day, we could scarce help ourselves. Nay, master, said nigh or not I as much when I saw the porpoise, how we bounced and tumbled. They say they're half fish, half flesh. A plague on them, they ne'er come, but I look to be washed. Master, I marvel how the fishes live in the sea. As men to a land. The great ones eat up the little ones. I compare. I can compare our rich misers to nothing so fitly as to a whale. It plays and tumbles, driving the poor fry before him, and at last devours them all at a mouthful. Such whales have I heard on the land, who ne'er leave gaping till they've swallowed the whole parish, church, steeple bells, and all. Oh, a pretty moral. But master, if I had been the sexton, I would have been that day in the belfry. Why, man? Because he should have swallowed me too. And when I had been in his belly, I would have kept such a jangling of the bells that he should never have left till he cast bells, steeple church, and perished up again. But if the good king Seminides were of my mind. Seminides? He would purge the land of these drones that rob the bee of her honey. How from the finny subject of the sea these fishers tell the infirmities of men, and from their watery empire recollect all that may men approve or men detect? Peace be at your labor, honest fisherman. Honest? Good fellow, what's that? If it be a day fits you, search out of the calendar and nobody looks after it. May see the sea hath cast upon your coast. What a drunken knave was the sea to cast thee in our way. A man whom both the waters and the wind in that vast tennis court have made the ball for them to play upon, entreats you, pity him. He asks of you that never used to beg. Oh, no, friend, you cannot beg. Here's them in our country, Greece gets more with begging than we do with working. Canst thou catch any fishes, then? I never practice it. Nay, then thou wilt starve, sure, for there's nothing to be got nowadays unless thou canst fish for it. What I have been, I have forgot to know. But what I am, want teaches me to think on. A man thronged up with the cold, my veins are chill and have no more of life that may suffice to give my tongue that heat to ask your help which if you shall refuse when I am dead, for that I am a man, pray see me buried. But die, quotha. But now, gods forbid. I have a gown here. Come, come, put it on. Oh, Keep right. thee warm now. 
Now, for me, a handsome fella. Come, thou shalt go home, and we'll have flesh for holidays, fish for fasting days, and moreover, puddings and flapjacks, and thou shalt be welcome. <laughs> I thank you, sir. Hark you, my friend. You said you could not beg. I did but crave. But crave? Then I'll turn craver too, and so I shall scape whipping. Why? Are all your beggars whipped then? Oh, not all, my friend, not all. For if all your beggars were whipped, I would wish no better office than to be beetle. But, master, I'll go drop the net. How well this honest mirth becomes their labor. Oh, uh, hark you, sir. Do you know where you are? Uh, not well. Why, I'll tell you. This is Panopolis, and our king, the good Simonides. The good King Simonides? Do you call him? Aye, sir. And he deserves so to be called for his peaceable reign and good government. He is a happy king, since he gains from his subjects the name of good by his government. How far is his court distant from this shore? Mary, sir, half a day's journey. And I'll tell you, he hath a fair daughter. And tomorrow is her birthday. And there are princes and knights come from all parts of the world to just and tourney for her love. Were my fortunes equal to my desires, I could wish to make one there. Oh, sir, things must be as they may. And what a man cannot get, he may lawfully deal for his wife's soul. We enter second and third fishermen drawing up a net. Help, master, help! Here's a fish hangs in the net like a poor man's right in the law. Twill hardly come out. Bots on it. Tis come at last, and tis turned to rusty armor. An armor? Friends, I pray you, let me see it. Thanks, fortune yet, that all my crosses thou givest me somewhat to repair myself. And though it was mine own part of my heritage, which my dead father did bequeath to me, with this strict charge, even as he left his side, keep it me, Pericles. It hath been a shield, twixt me and death and pointed to this brace, for that it saves me, keep it, in like necessity. The which the gods protect thee from, may defend thee. It kept where I kept, so I so dearly loved it, till the rough seas that spare not any man took it in a rage. Thou calmed have given it again. I thank thee for it. My shipwreck now's no ill since I have here my father's gift in his will. What mean you, sir? To beg of your kind friends this coat of worth, for it was sometime target to a king. I know it by this mark. He loved me dearly, and for his sake I wish the having of it, and that you'll guide me to your sovereign's court, where with it I may appear a gentleman. And if that ever my low fortune's better, I'll pay your bounties, till then rest your debtor. Why, wilt thou tourney for the lady? <laughs> I'll show the virtue I have borne in arms. Why, do we take it, and the gods give thee good on't. Aye, but hark you, my friend. T'was we that made up this garment through the rough seams of the waters. There are certain condiments, certain veils. I hope, sir, if you thrive, you'll remember from whence you had it. Believe it, I will. By your furtherance, 
I am clothed in steel. In spite of all the rapture of the sea, this jewel holds his building on my arm. Unto thy value, I will mount myself upon a courser, whose delightful steps shall make the gazer joy to see him tread. Only my friend, I yet am unprovided of a pair of bases. Will sure provide. Thou shalt have my best gown to make thee a pair, and I'll bring thee to the court myself. And honor be but a goal to my will. This day our eyes, or else had ill to ill. Exunt, scene two, the same, a public way or platform leading to the lists, a pavilion by the side of the reception of king, princess, lords, and company. Enter Semenides, what was it, Thaisa? Uh, lords in attendance. Are the knights ready to begin the triumph? They are, my liege, and stay your coming to present themselves. Return then, we are ready. And our daughter, in honor of whose birth these triumphs are, sits here like beauty's child whom nature gat for men to see and seeing wonder at. Thanks to the Lord. It <clears throat> pleaseth you, my royal father, to express my commendations great. Uh, whose merits less? It's fit it should be so. For princes are a model which heaven makes like to itself. As jewels lose their glory if neglected, so princes their renowns if not respected. Tis now your honor, daughter, to explain the labor of each knight in his device. Uh, which, to preserve mine honor, I'll perform? Enter a knight. He passes over and his squire presents his shield to the princess. Who's the first one that doth prefer himself? <clears throat> Uh, a knight of Sparta, my renowned father, and the device he bears upon his shield is a black Ethiop reaching at the sun. Uh, the word lux tua vita mihi. He loves you well, that holds his life for you. The second knight passes over. Who is the second that presents himself? Uh, a prince of Macedon, my royal father. And the device he bears upon his shield is an armed knight that's conquered by a lady. Uh, the motto thus in Spanish, Piu por dulzura que por fuerza. The third knight passes over. And the third? Mm -hmm. The third of Antioch and his device, a wreath of chivalry. The word, me Pompey provexit apex. The fourth knight passes over. And what is the fourth? A burning torch that's turned upside down. The word, quod me alit me extinguit. Which shows that beauty hath his power and will, which can as well inflame as it can kill. The fifth knight passes over. The fifth, in hand environed with clouds, holding out gold that's by touchstone tried. Uh, the motto thus, six spectanda fides. The sixth knight, Heracles, passes over. And what's the sixth and last, which the knight himself with such a graceful courtesy delivered? He seems to be a stranger, but his present is a, a withered branch that's only green at top. Uh, the motto, in hack spade vivo. Hmm, a pretty moral. From the dejected state wherein he is, he hopes 
by you his fortunes may flourish. He had need mean better than his outward show, can anyway speak in his just commend, for by his rusty outside he appears to have practiced more than more the whipstock than the lance. He well may be a stranger, for he comes to an honored triumph strangely furnished. And on set purpose let his armor rust until this day to scour it in the dust. Opinions on a fool that makes us scan the outward habit by the inward man. <laughs> but stay, the knights are coming. <clears throat> we will withdraw into the gallery. Excellent. Great shouts within and all cry, the mean knight. Scene three, the same, a hall of state, a banquet prepared. Enter Simonides, Thaisa, lords, attendants, and knights from tilting. <clears throat> knights, to say your welcome were superfluous. <clears throat> to place upon the volume of your deeds, as in a title page, your worth in arms were more than you expect, or more than fit, since every worth and show commends itself. Prepare for mirth, for mirth becomes a feast. You are princes and my guests. Uh, but you, my knight and guest, to whom this wreath of victory I give and crown you king of this day's happiness. Tis more by fortune, ladies, than by merit. Call it by what you will, the day is yours. And here, I hope, is none that envies it in framing an artist Art hath thus decreed to make some good, but others to exceed. And you are her labored scholar. <clears throat> Come, queen of the feast, for daughter, so you are. Here, take your place, marshal the rest as they deserve their grace. We, we, we are honored much by good Simonides. We are honored much by good Simonides. Simonides. Your presence glads our days. Honor we love, for who hates honor hates the gods above. <laughs> to yonder is your place. Uh, some other is more fit. Intend not, sir, for we are gentlemen that neither in our hearts nor outward eyes envy the great nor do the low despise. You are right, courteous knights. Sit, sir. <laughs> By Jove, I wonder that is king of thoughts that these cates resist me, she but thought upon. By Juno, that is queen of marriage. All viands that I eat do seem unsavory, wishing him my meat. Sure, he's a gallant gentleman. He's but a country gentleman. <clears throat> Has done no more than other knights have done. Had broken a staff or so, but let it pass. But to me, he seems like a diamond to glass. Yon kings to me, like to my father's picture, which tells me in that glory once he was, had princes sit like stars about his throne, and he the sun, for them to reverence. None that beheld him but like lesser lights did veil their crowns to his supremacy, where now his sun's like a glow worm in the night. The witch hath fire in darkness, none in light. Whereby I see at times the king of men. He's both their parent and he is their grave and gives them what he will, not 
what they crave. What? Are you merry, knights? Who can be other in this royal presence? <laughs> Here, with a cup that's stored unto the brim, as you do love to fill your mistress' lips, we drink this health to you. We thank your grace. Yet, pause a while, yon knight doth sit too melancholy, as if the entertainment in our court hath not a show might countervail his worth. Note it not you, Thaisa. What is it to me, my father? Oh, attend, my daughter. Princes in this should live like gods above, who freely give to everyone that comes to honor them. And princes not doing so are like to gnats, which makes a sound but killed our wondered at. Therefore, to make his entrance more sweet, here, say we drink this standing bowl of wine to him. Uh, alas, my father, it, it befits not me unto a, a stranger knight to be so bold. He may have my proffer, just take for an offense, since men take women's gifts for impudence. How? <clears throat> Do as I bid you, or you'll move me else. Now, by the gods, he could not please me better. <clears throat> and furthermore, tell him we desire to know of him. Of once he is, his name and parentage. <clears throat> uh, the king, my father, sir, has drunk to you. I thank him. Wishing it so much blood unto your life. I thank both him and you, and pledge him freely. And further, he desires to know of you, of uh, once you are, your name and parentage? Uh, a gentleman of Tyre. My name, Pericles. My education being in arts and arms, who looking for adventures in the world was by the rough seas, reft of ships and men, and after shipwreck driven upon this shore. He thinks your grace names himself Pericles, a gentleman of Tyre, who only by misfortune of the seas, bereft of ships and men, cast on the shore. Hmm. Now, by the gods, I pity his misfortune. I will wake him from his melancholy. Come, gentlemen, we sit too long on trifles and waste the time which looks for other revels. Even in your armors, as you are addressed, will very well become a soldier's dance. I will not have this excuse. With saying this, loud music is too harsh for ladies' heads, since they love men-in-arms as well as beds. <laughs> the knights dance. So, <clears throat> this was well asked. Twas so well performed. Come, sir, here is a lady that wants breathing, too. I have heard you knights of Tyre are excellent in making ladies trip that their measures are as excellent. In those that practice them, they are, my lord. Oh, that's as much as you would be denied of your fair courtesy. The knights and ladies dance. <clears throat> unclasp, unclasp. <clears throat> Thanks, gentlemen, to all. Uh, all have done well. <clears throat> but you, the best. 
pages and lights to conduct these knights unto their several lodgings. Yours, sir. We have given order to be next to our own. I am at your grace's pleasure. Oh, princes, it is too late to talk of love. And that's the mark I know you level at. <laughs> Therefore, each one take betake him to his rest. Tomorrow, all's for speeding do their best. Exempt. Scene four. Tire. Room in the governor's house. Enter Helicanus and Escanes. Escanes? I don't know. No, Escanes. <laughs> no, this of me. Antiochus from, in from incest live not free, for which the most high gods, not minding longer to withhold the vengeance that they had in store due to his, this heinous capital offense, even in the height and pride of all his glory, when he was seated in a chariot of an inestimable value and his daughter with him, a fire from heaven came and shriveled up their bodies, even to loathing. For they so stunk that all those eyes adorned them ere their fall, scorn now their hand should give them burial. Was very strange. And yet, but justice. For though this king were great, his greatness was not was no guard to bar heaven's shaft, but sin had his reward. Tis very true. Enter two or three lords. See, not a man in private conference or council has respect with him, but he. It shall no longer grieve without reproof. And cursed be he that will not second it. Follow me then. Lord Helicane, a word. With me. And welcome. Happy day, my lords. Know that our griefs are risen to the top, and now at length they overflow their banks. <laughs> your griefs? For what? Wrong not your prince that you love. Wrong not yourself, then, noble Helicane. But if the prince do live, let us salute him, or know what grounds made happy by his breath, if in the world he live, we'll seek him out. If in his grave he rest, we'll find him there, and be resolved he lives to govern us, or dead gives cause to mourn his funeral, and leave us to our re-election. Whose death indeed's the strongest in our censure, and knowing this kingdom is without a head, like goodly buildings left without a roof, soon fall to ruin. Your noble self, that best know how to rule and how to reign, we thus submit unto our sovereign. Live, noble Helicane, <laughs> for honor's cause, forbear your suffrages. If that you love Prince Pericles, forbear. Take I your wish. I leap into the seas, where's hourly trouble for a minute's ease. A twelve month longer, let me entreat you to forbear the absence of your king. If in which time expired he not return, I shall with aged patience bear your yoke. But if I, but if I cannot win you to this love, go search like nobles like noble subjects, and in your search, spend your adventurous worth, whom if you find and win on to return, you shall like diamonds sit about his crown. 
To wisdom, he is a fool that will not yield. And since Lord Helicane enjoineth us, we with our travels will endeavor us. Then you love us, and we you, and will clasp hands. When peers thus knit, a kingdom ever stands. Exeunt, scene five, Pentopolis, a room in the palace. Enter Simonides, reading a letter at one door. The knights meet him. Good morrow to the good Simonides. Hmm. Knights, for my daughter, this I let you know. And for this twelfth month, she'll not undertake married life. Her reason to herself is only known, yet which from her <clears throat> by no means can I get. May we not get access to her, Lord? Faith by no means. She has so strictly tied her to her chamber that tis impossible. One twelve moons more she'll wear Diana's livery. This by the eye of Cynthia has she vowed, and on her virgin honor will not it break. Loath to bid farewell, uh, we take our leaves. <laughs> nice. So, <clears throat> they are well dispatched. Now to my daughter's letter. She tells me here that she'd wed the stranger knight, or never more to view, nor day nor light. Well, tis well, mistress, your choice agrees with mine. I like that well, nay, how absolute she's in it. Not minding whether I dislike or no. <sighs> well, I do commend her choice, and will no longer have it be delayed. Oh, soft, here he comes. I must dissemble it. Enter Pericles. All fortune to the good Simonides? Simonides? Hey! Hey! I am beholden to you for your sweet music this last night. I do protest my ears were never better fed with such pleasing harmony. It is your grace's pleasure to commend, not my desert. Sir, you are a music's master. <laughs> the worst of all her scholars, my good lord. Let me ask you this one thing. <clears throat> what do you think of my daughter, sir? Uh, most virtuous princess. And she is fair, too, is she not? <laughs> as fair as a day in summer, wondrous fair. Sir, my daughter thinks very well of you. I so well that you must be her master and she will be your scholar. Therefore, look to it. <laughs> I am unworthy for her schoolmaster. She thinks not so. Peruse this writing else. What's here? A letter that she loves the Knight of Tyre. <laughs> Tis the king's subtlety to have my life. Oh, to seek not to entrap me, gracious lord, a stranger in distress, gentleman that never aimed so high to love your daughter, but bent all offices to honor her. Thou hast bewitched my daughter, and thou art a villain. By the gods I have not. Never did thought of mine levy offense, nor never did my actions yet command a deed might gain her love or your displeasure. Traitor, thou liest. 
traitor? Aye, traitor. Even in his throat, unless it be the king that calls me traitor, I return the lie. Now, by the gods, I do applaud his courage. My actions are as noble as my thoughts that never relished of a base descent. I came unto your court for honor's cause and not up to be a rebel to her state. And he that otherwise account of me, this sword shall prove her honor's enemy. No. Hmm. Here comes my daughter. She can witness it. Do Thaisa. Uh, then... As you are, as virtuous as fair, resolve your angry father. If my tongue did e'er solicit or my hand subscribe to any syllable that made love to you. Why, sir, say if you had, who takes offense to that which makes me glad. Yea, mistress, are you so peremptory? <clears throat> I'm glad on it, I'm glad on it with all my heart. Oh, I'll tame you, I'll bring you in subjection. <clears throat> Will you not, having my consent, bestow your love and your affections upon a stranger? Hmm. Who? For, as aught I know, may be, nor can I think the contrary, <clears throat> as in great blood as I myself. Hmm. Therefore, hear you, mistress, either frame your will to mine, and you, sir, hear you, either be ruled by me, or I will make you man and wife. Nay, come, your hands and lips must seal it too, and be joined, thus your hopes destroy. For a further grief, <clears throat> God give you joy. What, are you both pleased? Um, yes, if you love me, sir. Even as my life, or blood that fosters it. What, are you both agreed? Yes. If it please your if majesty. If it please your majesty. It pleaseth me so well that I will see you wed. And then, with what haste, you can get to bed. Exit. Act three, enter Gower. Now sleep is slaked hath the rout, no din but snores the house about, made louder by the o'erfed breast of this most pompous marriage feast. The cat, with eye of burning coal, now crouches for the mouse's hole, and crickets sing at oven's mouth, ere the blither for their drouth. Hymen hath brought the bride to bed, where, by the loss of maidenhead, a babe is molded. Be attent, and time that is so briefly spent with your fine fancies quaintly each. What's dumb in show, I'll plain with speech. Enter Pericles and Samonides in one door with attendants. A messenger meets them, kneels, and gives Pericles a letter. Pericles shows it Simonides. The Lord kneels to him. Then enter Thaisa with child, with Lycorita and nurse. The king shows her the letter. She rejoices. She and Pericles take leave of her father and depart with Lycorida and their attendants. Then exit Simonides and the rest. By many a dern and painful perch of Pericles, the careful search by the four opposing coins which the world together joins is made with all due diligence, that horse and sail and high expense can stead the quest. At last, from Tyre, fame answering the most strange inquire, to the court of King Simonides are letters brought, the tenor these. Antiochus sent his daughter dead, the men of Tyrus on the head of Helicanus would set on the crown of Tyre, but he will none. 
the mutiny he there hastes to press, says to him, if King Pericles come not home in twice six moons, he, obedient to their dooms, will take the crown. The sum of this, brought hither to Pentapolis, it ravished the regions round, and everyone with claps can sound, our heir apparent is a king, who dreamed, who thought of such a thing? Brief, he must hence depart to Tyre. His queen, with child, makes her desire, which who shall cross, a long to go. Omit we all their dole and woe. Like Corida, her nurse, she takes, and so to sea. Their vessel shakes on Neptune's billow. Half the flood hath there he'll cut. But fortune's mood varies again. The grisly north disgorges such a tempest forth that as a duck for life that dives, so up and down the poor ship drives. The lady shrieks, and well and near does fall in travail with her fear. And what ensues in this fell storm shall for itself itself perform. I nil relate. Action may conveniently the rest convey, which might not what by me is told. In your imagination, hold. This stage the ship upon whose deck the sea-tossed Pericles appears to speak. Exit. Scene one. Enter Pericles on shipboard. Ah. Now, God of this great vast... Rebuke. He surges. It wash both heaven and hell. And thou hast upon the wind's command bind them in brass, having called them from the deep. Oh, still thy deafening, dreadful thunders gently quench thy nimble sulfurous flashes. Oh, how like Cordia, how does my queen, how stormest venomously wilt thou spit all thyself. The seaman's whistle is a whisper in the ears of death, unheard. Like Corrida! Luciana, a divinest patroness and a midwife gentle to those that cry by night, convey thy deity aboard thou dancing boat. Make swift the pangs of my queen's travails. Enter Lycordia with an infant. Now, Lycordia. Here is a thing too young for such a place, who if it had conceit would die as I am like to do. Take in your arms this piece of your dead queen. How? How, like Corrida? Patience, good sir. Do not assist the storm. Here is all that is left of living of your queen, a little daughter, for the sake of it. Be manly and take comfort. Oh, you gods! Why do you make us love your goodly gifts and snatch them straight away? We here below recall not what we give, and therein may we use honor with you. Patience, good sir, even for this charge. Now mild may be thy life, for a more blusterous birth had never a babe. Quiet and gentle thy conditions. For thou art the rudeliest welcome to this world that ever was prince's child. Happy what follows. Thou hast a chiding and nativity. 
is fire, air, water, earth, and heaven can make to herald thee from the womb. Even at the first, thy loss is more than can thy portage quit. With all thou canst find here, Now, the good gods throw their best eyes upon it. Enter two sailors. What? Courage, sir! God save you! Courage enough. I do not fear the flaw. It hath done to me the worse. Yet for the love of this poor infant, this fresh new seafarer, I would, it would be quiet! Slap the bowlands there. Thou wilt not, wilt thou? Blow and split thyself. The sea room and the brine and cloudy billow kiss the moon, I care not. Sir. <sighs> Your queen must overboard. The sea works high, the wind is loud, and will not lie till the ship be cleared of the dead. That's your superstition? Pardon us, sir. With us at sea it hath been still observed, and we are strong in custom. Therefore, briefly yield her, for she must overboard straight. As you think, mate, most wretched queen. Here she lies, sir. A terrible childbed hast thou had, my dear. No light, no fire. The unfriendly elements forgot thee utterly. Nor have I time to give thee hollowed to thy grave, but straight must cast thee scarcely coffined in the ooze. Where for a monument upon thy bones and their remaining lamps, the belching whale and humming water must overwhelm thy core. Lying with the simple shells. Oh, Lycorida, bid Nestor bring me spices, ink, and paper, my casket and my jewels. And build Nicander, bring me the satin coffer, lay the babe upon the pillow. Hide thee, whiles I say. A priestly farewell to her. Suddenly, woman. Exit Lord Corridor. Sir, we have a chest beneath the hatches, cocked and bitumed ready. I thank thee. Mariner. Say, what coast is this? We are near Tarsus. Thither, gentle mariner. Alter thy course for Tyre. Whence can't thou reach it? By break of day, if the wind cease. Oh. Make for Tarsus. There will I visit Cleon, for the babe cannot hold out to Tyrus. There I'll leave it at careful nursing. 
Go thy way, good mariner. I'll bring the body presently. Exent, scene two, Ephesus, a room in Saramon's house. Enter Saramon with a servant and some persons who have been shipwrecked. Uh, Philemon, uh, ho. Enter Philemon. Doth my lord call? Get the fire and, and meat for these poor men. Tis been a, a turbulent and stormy night. I've been in many, but such a night as this shall now I ne'er endured. Well, your master will be dead ere you return. There's nothing can be ministered to nature that can recover him. Uh, uh, give, give this to the, to the apothecary and, and tell me how it works. Exent all but ceremon. Enter two gentlemen. Good morrow. Good morrow to your lordship. Gentlemen, why, why do you stir so early? Sir. Our lodgings standing bleak upon the sea shook as the earth did quake. The very principles did seem to rend and all to topple. Pure surprise and fear made me to quit the house. That is the cause we trouble you so early. Tis not our husbandry. Oh, you, you say well. But I much marvel that your lordship, having rich tire about you, should at these early hours shake off the golden slumber of repose. Tis most strange. Nature should be so conversant with pain, being thereto not compelled. I hold it ever virtue and cunning were endowments greater than nobleness and riches. A careless air has made the two latter darken and expend, but immortality tends the former, making man a god. It is known I ever have studied physic, through which secret art, by turning o'er authorities I have, together with my practice, made familiar to me and to my aid the blessed infusions that dwell in vegetatives, in metals, stones, and I can speak of the disturbances that nature works and of her cures, which doth give me a more content in course of true delight than to be thirsty after tottering honor, or time I treasure up in silken bags to please the fool and death. Well, your honor has through Ephesus poured forth your charity. And, and hundreds call themselves your creatures, who by you have been restored. And not your knowledge, your personal pain, but even your purse, still open, hath built Lord Saramon such strong renown as time shall ne'er decay. Enter two or three servants with a chest. So, lift there. What, what is that? Sir, even now did the sea toss upon our shore this chest. Tis of some wreck. Set it down. Let's, let's look upon it. Is like a coffin, sir. Whate'er it be, tis oh, wondrous heavy. Wrench it open straight. If the sea's stomach be o'ercharged with gold, tis a good constraint of fortunate belches upon us. Tis so, my lord. How close tis caulked and, and bitumed. Did, did the sea cast it up? I never saw so huge a billow, sir, as tossed it upon shore. Wrench it open. Uh, soft. It smells most sweetly in my sense. A delicate odor. As ever hit my nostril. So, uh, up with it. Oh, you most potent gods. Oh, what's here? A course. Most strange. Shrouded in, in cloth of state, embalmed and treasured with oh, bags full of spices. A passport, too. Apollo, perfect me in the characters. <clears throat> here, here, 
I give to understand if ere this coffin drive a land, I, King Pericles, have lost this queen worth all our mundane cost. Who finds her, give her burying. She was the daughter of a king. Besides this treasure, for a fee the gods requite his charity. If thou livest, Pericles, thou hast a heart that cracks even for woe. This chance tonight. Most likely, sir. Nay, certainly tonight. For look how fresh she looks. They were too rough that threw her in the seam. Make a fire within. Fetch hither all my boxes in my closet. Death, death may usurp on nature many hours, and yet the fire of life kindle again the oppressed spirits. I heard of an Egyptian that had nine hours lying dead, who was by good appliance recovered. Re-enter a servant with boxes, napkins, and fire. Well said, well said, the fire and cloths, the rough and woeful music that we have cause it to sound, beseech you. Uh, the, the veal once more, how thou stirrest, thou block. The music there, I pray you, give her air. Gentlemen, this queen will live. Nature awakes, a warmth breathes out of her. She hath not been entranced above five hours. See how she begins to blow in the life's flower again. The heavens, through you, increase our wonder and set up your fame forever. She is alive. Behold her eyelids, cases to those heavenly jewels which Pericles hath lost. Begin to part their fringes of bright gold. The diamonds of a most praised water do appear to make the world twice rich. Live and make us weep to hear your fate, fair creature, rare as you seem to be. She moves. Oh dear, Diana, where am I? Where's my lord? What world is this? Is not this strange? Most rare. Hush, my gentle neighbors, lend me your hands to the next chamber bear her. Get linen, now. This matter must be looked into for her relapse is mortal. Come, come and escalopus guide us. Exit carrying her away. Scene three, Tarsus, a room in Cleon's house. Enter Pericles, Cleon, Dionysa, Lycorita, and Marina in her arms. Most honored, Cleon. I must needs be gone. My twelve months are expired. Tyrus stands in a litigious peace. You and your lady take from my heart all thankfulness. The gods make up the rest upon you. Your shafts of fortune, though they hurt you mortally, yet glance full wanderingly on us. Oh, your sweet queen, that the strict fates had pleased you had brought her hither to have blessed mine eyes with her. We cannot but obey the powers above us. Could I rage and roar as doth the sea she lies in, yet the end must be as tis. My gentle babe, Marina, whom, for she was born at sea, I have named so. Here I charge your charity with all, leaving her the infant of your care, beseeching you to give her princely training, that she may, she may be mannered as she is born. Fear not, my lord. 
but think your grace that fed my country with your corn, for which the people's prayers still fall upon you, must in your child be thought on. If neglection should therein make me vile, the common body by you relieved would force me to my duty. But if to that my nature need a spur, the gods revenge it upon me and mine to the end of generation. I believe you. Your honor and your goodness teaches me to it, without your vows. Till she be married, madam, by bright Diana, whom we honor, all unscissored shall this hair of mine remain. Though I show ill in it, so I take my leave. Good madam, make me blessed in your care in bringing up my child. I have one myself who shall not be more dear to my respect than yours, my lord. Madam, my thanks and prayers. We'll bring your Gracie into the edge of the shore, then give you up to the mask Neptune and the gentlest winds of heaven. I will embrace your offer. Come, dearest madam. Oh, no tears like Orida, no tears. Look to your little mistress on whose grace you may depend hereafter. Come, my lord. Excellent. Scene four, Ephesus, a Roman ceremony, and Thaisa. Uh, madam, this letter with some certain jewels lay with you in your coffer, uh, which are now at your command. Know you the character? Uh, it is my lord's. That I was shipped at sea, I well remember, uh, even on my eating time. But whether they are delivered by the holy gods, I. I cannot rightly say, but uh, since King Pericles, my wedded Lord, I ne'er shall see again, uh, best delivery will I take me to and never more have joy. Well, madam, if this you purpose as ye speak, Diana's temple is not distant far, uh, where you may abide till your date expire. Uh, moreover, if you please, a niece of mine shall attend you there. Uh, my recompense is thanks, that's all. Uh, Yet my goodwill is great, though the gift's small. Excellent. Act four, enter Gower. Imagine Pericles arrived at Tyre, welcomed and settled to his own desire. His woeful queen we leave at Ephesus, unto Diana there of Odorus. Now to Marina, bend your mind, whom our fast-growing scene must find at Tarsus, and by Cleon trained in music, letters, who hath gained of education all the grace which makes her both the heart and place of general wonder. But, alack, that monster envy, oft the rack of earned praise, Marina's life seeks to take off by treason's knife. And, this in, and in this kind hath our Cleon one daughter, and a wench full grown, even ripe for marriage right, this maid hight Philoten, and it is said, for certain in our story, she would ever with Marina be, be it when she weaved the slided silk with fingers long, small, white as milk, or when she would with sharp needle wound the cambric, which she made more sound by hurting it, or when to the lute she sung and made the night bird mute that still records with moan, or when... And she rich and constant pen veiled to her mistress Diane. Still, this Philoten contends in skill with absolute Marina. 
So, with the dove of Paphos might the crow vie feathers white. Marina gets all praises, which are paid as debts, and not as given. This so darks in Philoten all graceful marks, that Cleon's wife, with envy rare, a present murderer does prepare for good Marina, that her daughter might stand peerless by this slaughter. The sooner her vile thoughts to stead, like Corida, our nurse, is dead. And cursed Dionysa hath the pregnant instrument of wrath pressed for this blow. The unborn event I do commend to your content. Only I carry winged time post on the lame feet of my rhyme, which never could I so convey unless your thoughts went on my way. Dionysa does appear with Leonine, a murderer. Exit. Scene one, Tarsus, an open place near the seashore. Enter Dionysa and Leonine. Thy oath, remember, thou hast sworn to do it. Tis but a blow, which never shall be known. Thou canst not do a thing in the world so soon to yield thee so much profit. Let not conscience, which is but cold and flaming love in thy bosom, inflame too nicely, nor let pity, which even women have cast off, melt thee, but be a soldier to thy purpose. I will do it, but yet she is a goodly creature. The fitter, then, the gods should have her. Here she comes, weeping for her only mistress' death. Thou art resolved? I am resolved. Enter Marina with a basket of flowers. I will rob Tellus of her weed to strew thy green with flowers. The yellows, blues, the purple violets, and marigolds shall as a carpet hang upon thy grave while summer days do last. Ay me, poor maid born in a tempest. When my mother died, this world to me is like a lasting storm, worrying me from my friends. How now, Marina? Why do you keep alone? How, chance my daughter is not with you? Do not consume your blood with sorrowing. You have a nurse in me. Lord, how your favors changed with this unprofitable woe. Come, give me your flowers ere the sea mar it. Walk with Leonine. The air is quick there and it pierces and sharpens the stomach. Come, Leonine, take her by the arm, walk with her. Uh, no, I pray you. I'll not bereave you of your servant. Come, come. I love the king, your father, and yourself with more than foreign heart. We every day expect him here. When he shall come and find our paragon to all reports thus blasted, he will repent the breadth of his great voyage. Blame both my lord and me that we have taken no care to your best courses. Go. I pray you, walk and be cheerful once again. Reserve that excellent complexion which did steal the eyes of young and old. Care not for me, I can go home alone. Well, I will go, but yet I have no desire to it. Come, come, I know tis good for you. Walk half an hour, Leonine, at the least. Remember what I have said. I warrant you, madam. I'll leave you, my sweet lady, for a while. Pray, walk softly. Do not heat your blood. What? I must have a care of you. My thanks, sweet madam. Exit Dionysa. Is this wind westerly that blows? Southwest. When I was born, the wind was north. Was it so? 
My father, as nurse said, did never fear, but cried, Good seaman to the sailors, galling his kingly hands, hailing ropes, and clasping to the mast, endured a sea that almost burst the deck. When was this? When I was born. Never was waves nor winds more violent, and from the ladder tackle washes off a canvas climber. Ha, says one, wilt out, and with a dropping industry they skip from stem to stern. The boatswain whistles, and the master calls, and trebles their confusion. Come, say your prayers. What mean you? If you require a little space for prayer, I grant it, pray, but be not tedious, for the gods are quick of ear, and I am sworn to do my work with haste. Why will you kill me? To satisfy my lady. Why would she have me killed? Now, as I can remember by my troth, I never did her hurt in all my life. I never spake bad word, nor did ill turn to any living creature. Believe me, La, I never killed a mouse, nor hurt a fly. I trod upon a worm against my will, but I wept for it. How have I offended wherein my death might yield her any profit, or my life imply her any danger? My commission is not to reason of the deed, but do it. You will not do it for all the world, I hope. You are well favored, and your looks for show. You have a gentle heart. I saw you lately, when you caught hurt in parting to that fought. Good sooth, it showed well in you. Do so now. Your lady seeks my life. Come you between, and save poor me, the weaker. I am sworn I will dispatch. He seizes her. Enter pirates. Ah! Hold, villain! Hold! Leonine runs away. A prize! A prize! Half part, mates, half part. Come, let's have her aboard suddenly. <laughs> Exempt pirates with Marina. Re enter the. <laughs> These roguing thieves serve the great pirate Valdez, and they have seized Marina. Let her go. There's no hope she will return. I'll swear she's dead and thrown into the sea. But I'll see further. Perhaps they will but please themselves upon her and not carry her aboard. If she remain, whom they have ravished, must be by me slain. Exit. Scene two. Mytilene? A room in a brothel. Enter Pander, Bol Bod, and Bolt. Bolt. Sir? Search the market narrowly. Mytilene is full of gallants. You lost too much money this mart by being too short two wenches. We were never so much out of creatures. We have but poor three, and they can do no more than they can do. And they, with continual action, are even as good as rotten. Therefore, let's have fresh ones. Whatever we pay for them. If there be not a conscience to be used in every trade, we shall never prosper. Thou sayest true. Tis not our bringing up of poor bastards. As I think, I have brought up some eleven. Aye, to eleven. Uh, and brought them down again. But shall I search the market? 
What else, man? The stuff we have, a strong wind will blow it to pieces. They're so pitifully sodden. That says true. They're too unwholesome, a conscience. The poor Transylvanian is dead that lay with the little baggage. Aye, uh, she quickly pooped him. She made him roast meat for worms, but I'll go search the market. Exit. Three or four chickens were as pretty proportioned to lively quietly, and so give over. Why to give over, I pray you? Is it a shame to get when we're old? Oh, our credit comes not in like the commodity, nor the commodity wages not with the danger. Therefore, if in our youths we could pick up some pretty estate, t'were not amiss to keep our door hatched. Besides, the sore terms we stand upon with the gods will be strong with us for giving over. Come, other sorts offend as well as we. As well as we? <laughs> I am better too. We offend worse. Neither is our profession any trade. It's no calling. But here comes Bolt. We enter Bolt, the pirates, and Marina. Come your ways, my masters. You say she's a virgin. Well, sir, we doubt it not. Master, I have gone through for this piece, you see. If you like her, so. If not, I have lost my earnest. Bolt, has she any qualities? Ah, yeah. she has a good base, speaks well, and has excellent good clothes. There's no further necessity of qualities can make her be refused. What's her price, Bolt? I cannot be baited one dot of a thousand pieces. Well, follow me, my masters. You shall have your money presently. Wife, take her in. Instruct her what she has to do, that she may not be raw in her entertainment. Exit pander and pirates. Take you the marks of her, the color of her hair, complexion, height, age, with warrant of her virginity, and cry, he that will give most shall have her first. Such a maidenhead were no cheap thing if men were as they have been. Get this done as I command you. Performance shall follow. Exit. Lack that Leonine was so slack, so slow. He should have struck, not spoke. Or that these pirates, not enough barbarous, had not overthrown me for to seek my mother. Why lament you, pretty one? That I am pretty. Come, the gods have done their part in you. I accuse them not. You are light into my hands, where you are like to live. More my fault to escape his hands where I was like to die. I and you shall live in pleasure. No. Yes, indeed you shall, and taste gentlemen of all fashions. You shall fare well, you shall have the difference of all complexions. What, do you stop your ears? Are you a woman? What would you have me be and I not be a woman? An honest woman, or not a woman. Mary, whip thee, Gosling. I think I shall have something to do with you. Come, you're a young, foolish sapling, and must be bowed as I would have you. Gods, defend me. If it please the gods to defend you by men, then men must comfort you, men must feed you, men must stir you up. Bolts returned. We enter Bolt. Now, sir. Hast thou cried her through the market? I have cried her almost to the number of her hairs. 
I have drawn her picture with my voice. And prithee tell me, how dost thou find the inclination of the people, especially of the younger sort? Oh, faith, they listened to me as they would have hearkened to their father's testament. There was a Spaniard's mouth so watered that he went to bed to her very description. We shall have him here tomorrow with his best ruff on. <laughs> oh, no, tonight, tonight. But, mistress, do you know the French knight that cowers in the hams? Who, Monsieur Verrault? Aye, he. He offered to cut a caper at the proclamation, but he made a groan at it and swore he would see her tomorrow. Well, well, as for him, he brought his disease hither. Here, but he does repair it. I know he will come in our shadow to scatter his crowns in the sun. Well, if we had of every nation a traveler, we should lodge them with this sign. Pray you, come hither a while. You have fortunes coming upon you. Mark me. You must seem to do that fearfully, which you commit willingly. Despise the profit where you, most have, where you have most gain. To weep that you live as ye do, do makes pity in your lovers. Seldom but that pity begets you a good opinion, and that opinion a mere profit. I understand you not. Oh, take her home, mistress, take her home. These blushes of hers must be quenched with some present practice. I'll say it's true of faith, so they must. For your bride goes to that with shame, which is her way to go with warrant. Faith, some do and some do not. But, mistress, if I have bargained for the joint... Thou mayest cut a morsel off the spit. I may. So. Who should deny it? Come, young one, I like the manner of your garments well. Aye, by my faith, they shall not be changed yet. Bolt, spend thou that in the town. Report what a sojourner we have. You'll lose nothing by custom. When nature flames this peace, she meant thee a good turn. Therefore, say what a paragon she is, and thou hast the harvest out of thine own report. I warrant you, mistress, thunder shall not so awake the bed of eels, as my giving out her beauty stir up the lewdly inclined. I'll bring home some tonight. Come your ways. Follow me. Fires be hot, knives sharp, or waters deep. Untied I still my virgin knot will keep. Diana, aid my purpose. What have we to do with Diana? <laughs> Pray you, will you go with us? Exempt scene three, Tarsus, a room in Cleon's house. Enter Cleon and Dionysia. Why, are you foolish? Can it be undone? Oh, Dionysia, such a piece of slaughter the sun and moon ne'er looked upon. I think you'll turn a child again. Were I chief lord of all this spacious world, I'd give it to undo the deed. Oh, lady, much less in blood than virtue, yet a princess to equal any single crown of the earth to the justice of compare, oh, villain Leonine, whom thou hast poisoned too. If thou hadst drunk to him, it had been a kindness becoming well thy fact. What canst thou say when noble Pericles shall demand his child? That she is dead. Nurses are not the fates to foster it, nor ever to preserve. She died at night. I'll say so. Who can cross it? 
Unless you play the pious innocent and for an honest attribute cry out, she died by foul play. Oh, go to. Well, well, of all the faults beneath the heavens, the gods do like this worst. Be one of those that think the petty wrens of Tarsus will fly hence and open this to Pericles. I do shame to think of what a noble strain you are and how coward a spirit. To such proceeding, whoever but this approbation added, though not his prime consent, he did not flow from honorable sources. Be it so then, yet none does know but you how she came dead, nor none can know, Leonine being gone. She did disdain my child and stood between her and her fortunes. None would look on her, but cast their gazes on Marina's face, whilst ours was blurted at and held a malkin not worth the time of day. It pierced me through. And though you call my course unnatural, you not your child well-loving, yet I find it greets me as an enterprise of kindness performed to your sole daughter. Heavens forgive it. And as for Pericles, what should he say? We wept after her hearse, and yet we mourn. Her monument is almost finished, and her epitaphs in glittering golden characters express a general praise to her, and care in us at whose expense tis done. Thou art like the harpy, which to betray dost with thine angel's face seize with thine eagle's talons. You are like one that superstitiously doth swear to the gods that winter kills the flies. But yet I know you'll do as I advise. Scene four, enter Gower before the monument of Marina at Tarsus. Thus time we waste, and longest leagues make short. Sail seas and cockles have and wish for it, making to take your imagination from born to born, region to region. By you being pardoned, we commit no crime to use one language in each several clime where our scenes seem to live. I do beseech you to learn of me, who stands in the gaps to teach you, the stages of our story. Pericles is now again thwarting the wayward seas, attended on by many a lord and knight, to see his daughter, all his life's delight. Old Escanes, whom Helicanus late advanced in time to great and high estate, is left to govern. Bear you it in mind, old Helicanus goes along behind. Well sailing ships and bounteous winds have brought this king to Tarsus. Think his pilot thought, so with his steerage shall your thoughts grow on, to fetch his daughter home, who first is gone. Like motes and shadows, see them move a while, your ears unto your eyes I'll reconcile. Enter Pericles at one door with all his train, Cleon and Dionysus at the other. Cleon shows Pericles the tomb, whereat Pericles makes lamentation, puts on sackcloth, and a mighty passion departs. Then exit Cleon and Dionysus. See how belief may suffer by foul show. This borrowed passion stands for true old woe, and Pericles, in sorrow all devoured, with sighs shot through and biggest tears or showered, leaves Tarsus and again embarks. He swears never to wash his face nor cut his hairs. He puts on sackcloth and to sea. He bears a tempest which his mortal vessel tears, and yet he rides it out. Now please you wit, 
The epitaph is for Marina writ by wicked Dionysa. Read the inscription on Marina's monument. The fairest, sweetest, and best lies here, who withered in her spring of year. She was of Tyrus, the king's daughter, on whom foul death hath made this slaughter. Marina, she was called, and at her birth, Thetis being proud, swallowed some part of the earth. Therefore the earth, fearing to be o'erflowed, hath Thetis's birth child on the heavens bestowed. Wherefore she does, and swears she'll never stint, make raging battery upon shores of flint. No visor does become black villainy so well as soft and tender flattery. Let Pericles believe his daughter's dead, and bear his courses to be ordered, ordered by Lady Fortune, while our scene must play his daughter's woe and heavy well-a-day in her unholy service. Patience, then, and think you now are all in Mytilene. Exit, scene five, Mytilene, a street before the brothel. Enter from the brothel two gentlemen. Did you ever hear the like? Ooh, no, nor never shall do in such a place as this, she being once gone. <laughs> but to have divinity preached there, did you ever dream of such a thing? No, no, come, I am no more for body houses. Shalls go hear the Vestal sing? I'll do anything now that is virtuous, but I am out of the road for of running forever. <laughs> Excellent. Scene six, the same, a room in the brothel, enter Pander Bottom Bolt. Well, I had rather than twice the worth of her. She had ne'er come here. Fie. Fie upon her. She's able to freeze up the god Priapus and undo a whole generation. We must either get her ravaged or be rid of her. When she should do for clients her fitment and do me quick the kindness of our profession, she has me her quirks, her reasons, her master reasons, her prayers, her knees, that she would make a Puritan of the devil if he, sh if he should cheapen a kiss of her. Faith. I must ravish her, or she'll disfurnish us of all our cavaliers and make our swearers priests. Snap the pox upon her green sickness for me. Faith, there's no way to be rid on it but by the way of the pox, way to the pox. Here comes the Lord Lym Lysimachus disguised. We should have both Lord and Loam, if the peevish baggage would but give way to customers. Enter Lysimachus. How now? How a dozen of virginities. Now the gods to bless your honor. I am glad to see your honor in good health. You may so. Tis the better for you that your resorters stand upon sound legs. <laughs> oh no. Wholesome inquiry of you that a man may deal with all and defy the surgeon. We have one here, sir, if she would, but there never came her like in Mytilene. She'll do the deed of darkness, thou wouldst say. Your honor knows what is to say well enough. <laughs> well, go forth, go forth. <laughs> For flesh and blood, sir, white and red, you shall see a rose. And she were a rose indeed, if she had... Uh, what for thee? Oh, sir, I can be modest. 
that dignifies the renown of a bod no less than it gives good report to a number to be chased. Exit Here comes that which grows to the stalk. Never plucked yet, I can assure you. Hmm. Re-enter Bolt with Marina. Is she not a fair creature? Please. She would serve after a long voyage at sea. Hmm. Well, there's for you. Leave us. I beseech your honor. Give me leave. A word and I'll have done presently. Uh I beseech you do. First, I would have you note, this is an honorable man. I desire to find him so that I may worthily note him. Next, he's the governor of this country and a man whom I am bound to. If he govern the country, you are bound to him indeed. But how honorable he is in that, I know not. Pray you, without any more virginal fencing, will you use him kindly? He will line your apron with gold. What he will do graciously, I will thankfully receive. Have you done? My lord, she's not paced yet. You must take some pains to work her to your manage. Come, we will leave his honor and her together. Go thy ways. Ixon, Bod, Pander, and Bolt. Now, pretty one. How long have you been at this trade? What trade, sir? I cannot name, but I shall offend. I cannot be offended with my trade. Please you to name it. How long have you been of this profession? Ever since I can remember. Did you go to so young? Were you a gamester at five or seven? Earlier too, sir, if now I be one. <laughs> well, why the house you dwell in proclaims you to be a creature of sale. Do you know this house to be a place of such resort and will come into it? I hear say you are of honorable parts and are the governor of this place. Have your principal made known unto you who I am? Who is my principal? Why, you're her woman. She that sets seeds and roots of shame and iniquity. You have heard something of my power, and so stand aloof for more serious wooing. But I protest to thee, pretty one, my authority shall not see thee or else look friendly upon me. Come, bring me to some private place. Come, come. If you were born to honor, show it now. If put upon you, make the judgment good that thought you worthy of it. How's this? How's this? Some more, be sage. For me, that am a maid, though most ungentle fortune have placed me in this sty, where since I came, diseases have been sold dearer than physic. Oh, that the gods would set me free from this unhallowed place, though they did change me to the meanest bird that flies in the pure air. I did not think thou couldst have spoke so well. <laughs> Ne'er dreamed thou couldst. And I brought hither a corrupted mind. Uh, speech hath altered it. Here, 
here's gold for thee. Persevere in that clear way thou goest, and the gods strengthen thee. The good gods preserve you. For me? You know, be you thoughten that I came with no ill intent. Uh, for to me, the very doors and windows savor vilely. Fare thee well. Thou art a piece of virtue, and I doubt not, but thy training hath been noble. Here, here's more gold for thee. Uh, the curse upon him, die he like a thief that robs thee of thy goodness. Thou dost hear from me, it shall be for thy good. We enter bolt. I beseech your honor one piece for me. Of punt, thou damned doorkeeper. Your house, but for this virgin that doth prop it, would sink and overwhelm you. Away! How's this? Oh. We must take another course with you. If your peevish chastity, which is not worth a breakfast in the cheapest country under the cope, shall undo a whole household, let me be gelded like a spaniel. Come your ways. Whither would you have me? I must have your maiden hen taken off, or the common hangman shall execute it. Come your ways. We'll have no more gentlemen driven away. Come your ways, I say. Re-enter Bod. How now? What's the matter? Oh, worse and worse, mistress. She has here spoken holy words to the Lord Lysmachus. Oh, abominable. She makes our profession as it were to stink afore the face of the gods. Mary, hang her up forever. The nobleman would have dealt with her like a, a nobleman. And she sent him away as cold as a snowball, saying his prayers, too. Bolt, take her away. Use her at thy pleasure. Crack the glass of her virginity and make the rest malleable. And if she were a thornier piece of ground than she is, she shall be plowed. Her hark, you gods. He conjures away with her. What that, what that she never had come within my doors? Mary, hang you. She's born to undo us. Will you not go the way of womankind? Mary, come up, my dish of chastity with rosemary and bays. Come, mistress, come your ways with me. Whither wilt thou have me? To take from you the jewel you hold so dear. Prithee, tell me one thing first. Come now, your one thing. What canst thou wish thine enemy to be? Why, I could wish him to be my master, or rather, my mistress. Neither of these are so bad as thou art, since they do better thee in their command. Thou holdst a place for which the painedest fiend of hell would not in reputation change. Thou art the damned doorkeeper to every coistrel that comes inquiring for a tib, to the choleric fisting of every rogue thy ear is liable. Thy food is such as hath been belched on by infected lungs. What would you have me do? Go to the wars, would you? Where a man may serve seven years for the loss of a leg. 
and have not money enough in the end to buy him a wooden one? Do anything but this thou doest. Empty old receptacles or common shores of filth serve by indenture to the common hangman. Any of these ways are yet better than this. For what thou professest, a baboon, could he speak, would own a name too dear. Oh, that the gods would safely deliver me from this place. Here, here's gold for thee. If that thy master would gain by thee, proclaim that I can sing, weave, sew, and dance with other virtues, which I'll keep from boast, and I will undertake all these to teach. I doubt not, but this populous city will yield many scholars. But can you teach all this you speak of? Prove that I cannot. Take me home again and prostitute me to the basest groom that doth frequent your house. Huh, well, I will see what I can do for thee. If I can place thee, I will. But among honest women. Faith, my acquaintance lies little amongst them. But since my master and mistress have bought you, there's no going but by their consent. Therefore, I will make them acquainted with your purpose. And I doubt not, but I shall find them tractable enough. Come, I'll do thee, I'll do for thee what I can. Come your ways. Exit. Act five, enter Gower. Marina thus the brothel scapes and chances into an honest house, our story says. She sings like one immortal and she dances as goddess-like to her admired lays. Deep Clarks she dumbs and with her needle composes nature's own shape of bud, bird, branch, or berry that even her art sisters the natural roses. Her inkle silk twin with the rubied cherry that pupils lacks she none of noble race who pour their bounty on her and her gain she gives the cursed bod. Here we her place. And to her father turn our thoughts again, where we left him on the sea. We there him lost, whence, driven before the winds, he is arrived here where his daughter dwells. And on this coast, suppose him now at anchor. The city strived God's Neptune's annual feast to keep, from whence Lysimachus' Arterian ship espies, his banners sable, trimmed with rich expense, and to him in his barge with fervor highs. In your supposing, once more put your sight of heavy Pericles. Think this his bark, where what is done in action, more, if might, shall be discovered. Please you, sit and hark. Exit. Scene one, on board Pericles' ship of Mytilene, a a close pavilion on, on deck with a curtain before it, Pericles within it, reclined on a couch, a barge lying beside the Tyrian vessel. Enter two sailors, one beginning to the Tyrian, belonging to the Tyrian vessel, the other to the barge, to them Helicanus. Where is Lord Helicanus? He can resolve you. Oh, here he is. 
sir, there's a barge put off from Mytilene, and in it is Lysicimus, the governor, who craves to come aboard. What is your will? That he have his. Call up some gentlemen. Oh, gentlemen, my lord calls. Enter two or three gentlemen. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, doth your lordship call? Gentlemen, there's some of worth would come aboard. I pray ye, greet them fairly. The gentlemen and the two sailors descend and go on board the barge. Enter from thence Lysimachus and lords with the gentlemen and two sailors. Sir, this is the man that can get, that can, and ought you would, resolve you. Hail, reverend sir, the gods preserve you. And you, sir, to outlive the age I am, and die as I would do. You wish me well. Being on shore, honoring of Neptune's triumphs, seeing this goodly vessel ride before us, I made to it, to know whence you are. First, what is your place? I am the governor of this place you lie before. Sir. Our vessel is a tire, in it the king, a man who for this three months hath not spoken to anyone, nor taken sustenance, but to prorogue his grief. Uh, upon what ground is his distemperment, temperature? Twould be too tedious to repeat, but the main grief springs from the loss of a beloved daughter and a wife. Hmm. May we not see him? You may. Bootless is your sight. He will not speak to any. Yet let me obtain my wish. Behold him. This, this was a goodly person till the disaster that one mortal night drove him to this. Sir King, all hail. The gods preserve you. Hail, royal sir. It is in vain. He will not speak to you. Sir, we have a maid in Mytilene. I durst wager would win some words of him. <laughs> Tis well the thought. <laughs> she questionless with her sweet harmony and other cho chosen attractions uh, would allure and, and make a battery through his deafened parts, which now are midway stopped. She is all happy as the fairest of all and with her fellow maids now upon the leafy shelter that abuts against the island side. Whispers a lord who goes off in the barge with lights and mics. Sure, all's effectless. Yet nothing will omit that bears recovery's name. But since your kindness we have stretched thus far, let us beseech you that for our gold we may provision have, wherein we are not destitute for want, but weary for the staleness. Oh, sir. A courtesy of if, uh, courtesy, which, if we should deny, the most just gods for every graph would send a caterpillar, <laughs> and so afflict our province. Yet once more, let me entreat to know at large the cause of your king's sorrow. Oh, sit, sir. I will recount to you, but see, I am prevented. We enter from the barge, Lord, with Marina and a young lady. 
Oh, oh, here is the lady that I sent for. Welcome, fair one. It's not a goodly presence. She's a gallant lady. She's such a one that, were I well assured, came of a gentle, kind, and noble stock. I'd wish no better choice, and think me rarely wed. Fair one, all goodness that consists in bounty, expect even here. Or is a kingly patient. If that by prosperous and artificial feet can draw him but to answer thee and aunt, thy sacred physic shall re receive such pay as thy desires can wish. Sir, I will use my utmost skill in his recovery, provided that none but I and my companion maid be suffered to come near him. Come, let us leave her, and, may, and the gods make her prosperous. Marina sings. No. Mark T. Her music? No, nor looked on us. Huh. See, she will speak to him. Hail, sir. My lord, lend ear. <clears throat> I am a maid, my lord, that ne'er before invited eyes but have been gazed on like a comet. She speaks, my lord, that maybe hath endured a grief might equal yours, if both were justly weighed. Though wayward fortune did malign my state, my derivation was from ancestors who stood equivalent with mighty kings. But time hath rooted out my parentage, and to the world and awkward casualties bound me in servitude. I will desist, but there is something glows upon my cheek and whispers in mine ear. Go not till he speak. My fortunes. Parentage. Good parentage. To equal mine. Was it not that? What say you? I said, my lord, if you did know my parentage, you would not do me violence. I do think so. Pray you, turn your eyes upon me. You are like something that, what country woman here of these shores? No, nor of any shores. Yet I was mortally brought forth and am no other than I appear. I am great with woe and shall deliver weeping. My dearest wife was like this maid and such a one my daughter might have been. My queen's square brows, her stature to an inch, is wand-like straight. A silver voice, her eyes is jewel-like, encased as richly. In pace, another Juno, who starves the ears she feeds 
and makes them hungry the more she gives them speech. Where do you live? Where I am but a stranger. From the deck you may discern the place. Where were you bred? And how achieved you these endowments which make more rich to owe? If I should tell my history, it would seem like lies disdained in the reporting. Prithee speak. Falseness cannot come from me. For thou lookst Marbus's justice. Thou seemst a palace for the crowned truth to dwell in. I will believe thee and make my senses credit thy relation to points that seem impossible. For thou lookst like one I loved indeed. What were thy friends? Didst thou not say when I did push thee back, which was when I perceived thee, that thou camest from good descending? So indeed I did. Report thy parentage. I think thou saidst, thou hast been tossed from wrong to injury, and that thou thoughtst thy griefs might equal mine if both were opened. Some such thing I said, and said no more, but what my thoughts did warrant me was likely. Tell thy story. If thine considerest prove the thousandth part of my endurance, thou art a man, and I have suffered like a girl that thou dost look like patience gazing on king's graves, smiling extremity out of act. What were thy friends? How lost thou them? Thy name, thy most kind virgin. Recount, I do beseech thee. Come, sit by me. My name is Marina. Oh, I am mocked. And thou by some incensed god sent hither to make the world laugh at me. Patience, good sir, or here I'll cease. Nay, I'll be patient. Thou little knowest how thou dost startle me to call thyself Marina. The name was given me by one that had some power, my father, and a king. How? A king's daughter, and called Marina. You said you would believe me, but not to be a troubler of your peace. I will end here. But you are flesh and blood. Have you a working pulse? And are you no fairy? Motion, well, speak on. Where were you born? And wherefore called Marina? Called Marina, for I was born at sea. At sea? 
What mother? My mother was the daughter of a king who died the minute I was born, as my good nurse Licorita hath oft delivered weeping. Ah! Oh, stop a little. This is the rarest dream that ere dull sleep did mock sad fools with all this cannot be. My daughter's buried. Well, where were you bred? I'll hear you more to the bottom of your story and never interrupt you. You scorn. Believe me, t'were best I did give o'er. I believe you by the syllable of what you shall deliver. Yet give me leave. How camest you in these parts? Where were you bred? The king, my father, did in Tarsus leave me, till cruel Cleon, with his wicked wife, did seek to murder me. And having wooed a villain to attempt it, who, having drawn to do it, a crew of pirates came and rescued me, brought me to Mytilene. But, good sir, whither will you have me? Why do you weep? It may be you think me an impostor. No, good faith, I am the daughter to King Pericles, if good King Pericles be. Ho! Helicanus! Calls my lord. Thou art a grave and noble counselor, most wise and general. Tell me if thou canst what this maid is, or what is like to be, and has thus made me weep. I know not, uh, but here is the regent, sir, of Mytilene, speaks nobly of her, of her. She would never tell her parentage. Being demanded that, she would sit still and weep. Oh, Helicanus, strike me, honored sir. Give me a gash, put me to present pain. Lest this great sea of joys rushing upon me o'erbear the shores of my mortality and drown me with their sweetness. Oh, come hither. Thou that begetst him that did thee beget. Thou that was born at sea, buried at Tarsus, and found at sea again. Oh, Helicanus. Down on thy knees, thank the holy gods as loud as thunder threatens us. This is Marina. What was thy mother's name? Tell me but that, for truth can never be confirmed enough. Thou doubtst did ever sleep. First, sir, I pray, what is your title? I am Pericles of Tyre, but tell me now my drowned queen's name as in the rest you said thou hast been godlike perfection, the heir of kingdoms, and another like to Pericles, thy father. Is it no more to be your daughter than to say my mother's name was Thaisa? <laughs> Thaisa was my mother who did end the minute I began. Now, blessings on thee. 
Rise, thou art my child. Give me fresh garments. God, what? My own, Helicanus. She is not dead, as she should have been. By savage Cleon, she shall tell thee all. When thou shalt kneel and justify in knowledge, she is thy very princess. Who is this? Sir, tis the governor of Mytilene, who, hearing of your melancholy state, did come to see you. I embrace you! Give me my robes. I'm wild in my beholding. Oh, heavens bless my girl. But hark, what music? Tell Helicanus, my Marina, tell him, or point by point, for yet he seems to doubt how sure you are my daughter. But what music? My lord, I hear none. None? The music of the spheres! List, my Marina. It's not good to cross him. Give him way. Rarus, how do ye not hear? My lord, I, I hear. Music. Most heavenly music. It nips me unto listening, and thick slumber hangs upon mine eyes. Let me rest. Sleeps. So a pillow for his head. So leave him off. While my companion friends, if this but answer to my just belief, I'll well remember you. Absent all but Pericles, Diana appears to Pericles as in a vision. My temple stands in Ephesus. Hie thee thither, and do upon mine altar sacrifice. There, when my maiden priests are met together, before the people all, reveal how thou at sea didst lose thy wife. To mourn thy crosses with thy daughter's call, and give them repetition to thy life. Or perform my bidding, or thou livest in woe. Do it, and happy, by my silver bow. Awake, and tell thy dream. Disappears. Celestial Diane, goddess Argentine, I will obey thee. Helicanus! We enter Helicanus, Lysimachus, and Marina. Sir? My purpose was for Tarsus. There to strike the inhospitable Cleon, but I am for other service first. Towards Ephesus, turn our blown sails. Eftsoons, I'll tell thee why. Shall we refresh us, sir, upon your shore and give you gold for such provision as our intents will need? Sir, with all my heart. And when you come ashore, I have another suit. You shall prevail. Where to woo my daughter, for it seems you have been noble towards her, sir. Oh, sir, lend me your arm. <laughs> come, my marina. Excellent. Scene two, enter Gower before the temple of Diana of Ephesus. Now our sands are almost run, more, a little, and then dumb. This, my last boon, give me, for such kindness must relieve me that you aptly will suppose what pageantry, what feasts, what shows, what 
minstrelsy and pretty din the regent made in Mytilene to greet the king. So he thrived that he is promised to be wived to fair Marina, but in no wise till, but in no wise, that in no wise, I lost my place, till he had done his sacrifice as Diane bade, whereto, being bound, the interim pray you all confound. In feathered briefness, sails are filled, and wishes fall out as they're willed. At Ephesus, the temple see, our king and all his company, that he can hither come so soon, is by your fancy's thankful doom. Exit. Scene three, the temple of Diana at Ephesus, Thaisa standing near the altar as high priestess, a number of virgins on each side, Ceremon and other inhabitants of Ephesus attending. Enter Pericles with his train, Lysimachus, Helicanus, Marina, and a lady. Hail, Diane. To perform thy just command, I here confess myself king of Tyre, who frighted from my country did wed at Pentapolis, the fair Thaisa. At sea, in childbed, died she, but brought forth a maid child called Marina, who, oh, God, who swears yet thy silvery livery. She at Tarsus was named with Cleon, who at fourteen years he sought to murder, but her better stars brought her to Mytilene. Against those shore riding her fortunes, brought the maid aboard us, whereby our own most clear remembrance, she made known herself my daughter. Voice and favor, you are, you are, oh, oh royal Pericles. What means the nun? She dies. Help, gentlemen. Uh, noble sir, if you have told Diana's altar true, this is your wife. Reverend Apira, no. I threw her overboard with these very arms. Uh, upon this coast, I warrant you. Tis most certain. Look to the lady. Oh, she's but overjoyed. Early in blustering morn, this lady was thrown upon the shore. I opened the coffin, found their rich jewels, recovered her, and placed her here in Diana's temple. May we see them? Great, sir. They shall be brought you to my house, whither I invite you. Uh, look, Thaisa is recovered. Oh, let me look. <laughs> if he be none of mine, my sanctity will to my sense bend no licentious ear, but a curvet spite of seeing. Oh, my lord, are you not Pericles? Like him you spake, like him you are, did you not name a tempest, a birth, and death? The voice of dead Thaisa. That Thaisa am I, supposed dead and drowned. Immortal Diane! Now I know you better. When we with tears parted Pentopolis, the king my father gave you such a ring. Show's ring. This, this, no more you got you. Present kindness makes my past miseries short. You shall do well, that on the touching of her lips I may melt and no more be seen. Oh, come, be buried a second time within these arms. My heart 
leaps to be gone into my mother's bosom. Kneels to Thaisa. Look who kneels here. Flesh of thy flesh, Thaisa. Thy burden at the sea. And called Marina. For she was yielded there. Less than my own. Hail, madam. And my queen. I know you not. You have heard me say when I did fly from Tyre, I left behind an ancient substitute. Can you remember what I called the man? I have named him oft. Uh, Twas Helicanus then. Still confirmation. Embrace him, dear Tysa. This is she. Now do I long to hear how you were found, how possibly preserved, and who to thank besides the gods for this great miracle. Lord Saramon, my lord, uh, this man through whom the gods have shown their power that can from first to last resolve you. Reverend sir, the gods can have no mortal officer more like a god than you. Will you deliver how this dead queen relives? I uh, will, my lord, uh, beseech you first go with me to my house where she, where shall be shown you all was found with her. How she came placed here in the temple, no needful thing omitted. Pure Diane, bless thee for thy vision. I will offer night oblations to thee. Thaisa, this prince, the fair betrothed of your daughter, shall marry her at Pentapolis. And now this ornament makes me look dismal. I will uh, clip to form. And what this 14 years no razor touched to grace thy marriage day, I'll beautify. Uh, Lord Saramon hath letters of good credit, sir. My father's dead. Heavens, make a star of him. It there, my queen, we'll celebrate their nuptials, and ourselves will in that kingdom spend our following days. Our son and daughter shall in Tyrus reign. Lord Saramon, we do our longing stay to hear the rest untold. Sir, leads the way. Exempt. Enter Gower. In Antiochus and his daughter, you have heard of monstrous lust, the due and just reward. In Pericles, his queen and daughter seen, although assailed with fortune, fierce and keen, Virtue preserved fell from fell destruction's blast, led on by heaven and crowned with joy at last. In Helicanus, may you well descry a figure of truth, of faith, of loyalty. In Reverend Saramon, there well appears the worth that learned charity I wears. For wicked Cleon and his wife, when fame had spread their cursed deed and honored name of Pericles, to rage the city turn, that him and his they in his palace burn. The gods for murder seemed so content to punish them, although not done, but meant. So, on your patience evermore attending, new joy wait on you. Here, our play has ending. Thanks. The end. Yay. Look at this show. Woo. Woo. Oh my God. Well, he okay. is a pirate king. He is a rock and roll pirate king.
And it is, it is a glorious thing to be a pirate king. It is the Oh God! <laughs> did you expect them to pick it up, or did you? Think you were just singing into the. But this is a Gilbert. Miriam should never, never expect anything. <laughs> Fine. <then. laughs>